really right now, ladies and gentlemen, we have to remove the fear. First, the fear from us, and I try to do that a little bit at the beginning of this, and then the fear, the psychological fear of the client, all right, whether it be a buyer or seller. So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all want to create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income, and we want to do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question, and this show is dedicated to the answer. Hey, today we've got Steve Harney, founder of KCM, Keeping Current Matters, where Steve is going to go in-depth on the five biggest concerns that buyers and sellers have and exactly what you should say and what you should show them to help remove the fears so they can make the right decision and take action. We also discussed a fellow influencer who made a comment about home ownership and how he was frowning on it, and we really wanted to get Steve's opinion. And then, of course, the last thing is, as always, a quick market update. I think you're going to find a lot of value in this interview and probably will be one you'll listen to multiple times to get the most benefit. Enjoy the show. All right. Hey, so welcome, my friends. It's Tom Ferry. And I thought it would just be super helpful to get the Oracle. My dear friend, my mentor, Mr. Steve Harney from KCM, Keeping Current Matters, to talk to us about three things. I wrote down the concern and worry that I keep hearing from people because they're headline reading, um, some chatter that took place over this last weekend, and most importantly, five points that he just delivered to several thousand of my best clients that was the most passionate, actionable talk I've ever heard from Steve to the point that literally we had people saying, I got three reductions immediately following his conversation. I put two or three deals together. Like it was that powerful. And what I, what I hope to do today is to share all of that with you and more. So why don't we just start by saying, uh, Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate it very much, Tom. I appreciate the opportunity. Hey, Steve. So for the people that have never met you uh, or don't know your background, we just take Take a, you know, 30 seconds and let him, let us understand why do I refer to you as the Oracle and, you know, who is this guy that created this thing called Keeping Current Matters? All right, well, let's start with, I have no idea why you call me the Oracle, but then <laughs> let's go on from there. Um, what wound up taking place is I was an agent in the marketplace uh, for several years, uh, became the top agent in that county. Uh, from there, I managed an office. I had great agents in the office with me. And for a big brand, I became the second largest, we became the second largest office in the country. From there, I opened my own real estate company, which we grew into 13 offices and 550 agents. I sold that a couple of years back, hoping to retire. And then, you know, things got really crazy in 2007, 2008. Um, So a bunch of my friends who own companies around the country asked me to come out and help out. And from there came a little bit of a speaking career. I went around the country speaking. And everybody wanted to know, like, how can I explain this to the consumer? If the consumer had the information you're giving me right now, things would calm down. So that gave birth to KCM, where now we have, I think it's somewhere between, I'm not, I don't really look at the numbers, I will somewhere between 25 and 30,000 agents across the country that uh, depend on us to, to explain to them exactly what's taking place in the market and how to simply and effectively explain it to their clients. Yeah, but Steve, I mean, I call you the Oracle because if you saw the movie The Matrix, you know, you're that person that so many of us as CEOs of companies that are looking to the people that have a love, appreciation, affinity for protecting full service brokerage and agents, the people like us, we turn to you in the moments of crisis 
and say, okay, Steve, what's the message right now to keep agents and consumers moving forward? And that's why I refer to that. So let's, let's jump right into that, Steve, because look, we're 42 days into the new year. And, you know, I think this morning I sent you uh, at least one or two emails because if you're reading the, you know, Mortgage Wire, you're reading anything out there today, the sensationalism of the news would have the average consumer believing this is a horrible time to buy or sell. So, Steve, we're 42 days into 2019. What say you? All right. Well, first I say, remember that negative headlines get more clicks, negative headlines uh, create more buzz than positive headlines do. So very obviously there are a lot of people out there that are trying to lean on the negative. And I think that's gonna only get worse as we get closer to the election in 2020. So for the next 18 months, I think we're gonna be bombarded with uh, negative headlines. The good news is they're not true, all right? And the bad news is we have the responsibility to make sure the public realizes they're not true. So there's a lot of negative news out there. What I tell agents very simply, I give them seven words. Calm down, sit down, think, plan, act. Those are the seven words. The, the most important of those seven words are the first two. Calm down. Yes. Everything is fine. If you get caught up in the craziness, if you get caught up in the psychology of this, then you're the person, the only person that's capable in your marketplace of making sure that it is not impacted by panic, all right? If you're panicked, they're gonna be panicked. And what I think that normally happens in a market like that's changing, and this market's changing for the good, I'll tell you that in a second, but in a market that's changing, sometimes that, that uncertainty causes concern, the concern can, can cause doubt, the doubt causes fear, and the fear then can create panic. And if we get anywhere near the fear of panic stages of this, we have a challenge. Let's talk about agents. Agents right now are panicked. Oh my God, there's so many listings come to the market. There's price breaks. Prices are starting to level off. There's like, well, Steve, what are we going to do? This is horrible. Look what. And I, I say, wait, wait, hold, hold on a second. Last year, this exact time, February 2018, I'm out in front of agents. You know what every agent's telling me? Steve, there's no listings to sell. We're going into the spring buyers market. We got nothing to sell. How are we going to do any sales if we don't have anything to sell? And look at prices. They're going through the roof. We're heading for another crash, Steve. If these prices keep on going up, we're going to be another crash just like 2008. We have to somehow get the prices down. All right? And, it, and so now they had prayer vigils. I attended some of them. Praying to the real estate gods that please give us more inventory and please make sure that prices start to just balance out some and level off some. That's what everyone was praying for a year ago. Yep. The gods answered our prayers. And now we're panicking because we got exactly what we wanted. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going into a normal, normalized market. Everyone calm down. Sales this year are going to be better than they were last year. I think they're going to be a lot better. But the people who uh, forecast them say they're going to be better than last year. Prices are not going to crash. As a matter of fact, we're going to end 2019 with still an appreciation level higher than what the historic norms are. Now, is it going to be 6, 8, 12%? No. Thank God it's not going to be that. We're going to get down into that. This year, we're going to be somewhere between 45 and 5%. And then next year, we're going to get down to normal numbers, somewhere in the mid-threes. But there's nothing wrong with that. What that means is we're heading toward a more normal market where we can sell houses, and the houses we can sell, people can afford to buy. 
So Steve, you, you just shared, if, if everyone listening just took that advice and just took a breather and stopped complaining about the number of price reductions they're seeing, prices are falling. I'm like, no, overpriced listings are actually now being corrected to the reality of the market. Everyone watching knows what I'm talking about. But I think that the bigger, the bigger insight you gave, um, and I, I think I mentioned this last week on stage, a personal client of mine who I just hung up with and said, so, and I'm not going to say his name, but you could, you could guess he's number, I think he's in the top 15 in the world for Keller Williams as an agent. Okay. When I first started chatting with him, he's like, Tom, I haven't talked to you in three weeks. You have no idea what's going on in my area right now. Doom, gloom, fear, misery, doom, gloom, fear, misery. And he had all these examples. And I finally stopped him and said, how is your business? He said, oh, I'm having the best January of my life. <laughs> right. But, but we get so caught up in, in this, the, the, the hyperbole of headline readings, water cooler conversations about agents in a state of panic that don't sell any houses anyway. Now, I know, I know we're going to get into this because I want to, I really want you to drive home with everyone watching today, the five points you just shared with our elite. But first I got to, I got to touch on something. Last week, a, uh, a friend of mine, a pretty influential guy in, on the internet, put out a piece of content questioning the validity of home ownership. And I thought to myself, you and I don't need to argue this or debate this because it's too easily won, right? Like the facts are the facts are the facts are the facts. Instead, it really got me thinking, looking at the newsfeed, watching how people responded to this. And listen, this guy's a friend. I tell people, look, he put out one wonky piece of content, but he's put out millions of positive ones. So like, you know, cut the guy a little slack. Um, instead of us debating that issue, which is a no brainer, I wrote down, what advice do you have for our listeners to get the word out, especially to the 25 to 35 year olds, right? That are out there reading the same headlines everyone else is and thinking maybe now is not the time to buy. So, so what advice do you have for everyone watching to get the word out? to that segment of the market? All right, first of all, it'd be remiss of me not to talk about a little bit about my input into that whole situation. Sure. Uh, I have spent my whole adult life uh, defending the concept, the principle of home ownership. I believe in it very strongly. Does that mean I think that every single person should own a home? No. There's some KCM people work at KCM. They're young, they're just not ready yet. They're, they might even be financially ready, but they're not, you know, psychologically ready to take on the responsibilities of a home. But once they're at a level that they are ready, willing, and able to purchase a home, then yes, I believe very strongly in home ownership. And this individual, again, a great, from what I understand, a great guy, I don't know him personally. I know he's super intelligent and super successful, came out with something that was like, wow. Now, if I got yelled at every time I, I kind of said something a little bit wonky, you know, I, I take beatings too, but because he went after home ownership, I got defensive and I said, oh, I'm going to challenge this guy to a debate and I'm going to slaughter him. And, you know, and, stuff. Uh, and, and then I started to think about it and I said, my God, he is a very intelligent man, a person I respect that really doesn't truly understand the value of home ownership. And my mind shifted immediately and it wasn't an attack any longer. It was a wake up call yeah. and it was a wake up call to all of us. If an intelligent person, that intelligent, could misunderstand all the, the importance, all the financial and non-financial advantages of home ownership, then how many people are out there thinking the same way? 
And it's our responsibility. I will tell you, it is our moral imperative to get out and help people understand how important homeownership is to them, their families, their communities, their neighborhoods, and the entire country. All right. So now I've shifted my thinking on that and said, no, you know what? I'm going to take this as kind of like a little bit of electric shock in the rear end. I'm going to get moving on this. So I know that at KCM, we're putting a whole bunch of um, resources together and we're taking all of the data that's been there and all the research that's been done, both on the financial and non-financial um, benefits of homeownership. And we're going to make all that information available to realtors across the country because we have to now become missionaries to the value. We ran a, a stretch that people wanted to buy a house simply because they made money at it. They bought a house and then, you know, five years later it was worth 30, 40% more than what it was worth when they bought it. But there's so many other reasons. The financial reasons still there, but there's a whole bunch of other reasons that homeownership is important to them and to their communities. And we're going to gather that information. We're going to catalog that information. We're going to get it out to them. Right now, they have to take on that missionary zeal. They have a lot of the information just already in their head. Just today, I had somebody in LinkedIn uh, in, in answer to the, this guy that said homelessness was important. He gave a heartfelt message to me, and he put it on public, saying, Steve, I heard when he, he was working in the back of the room. He wasn't even an attendee at the speech. And I heard what you said, and it gave me the courage to go out and purchase a home, and thank God I did. I went from be a millennial being in debt to be in a much better position financially and all the other benefits. He said that speech changed my life from a financial basis. And he thanked me for it. Now, the point of the matter is we have a million realtors. If we each went out and gave that speech, and if you're not like, don't want to get a group of people together, let's do a one-on-one. And we sit down and we talk about how important homeownership is to them then I think that, you know, whatever one, you know, social media guru tweets out uh, one time is going to mean nothing. We, we have an army of missionaries that have to spread the word, the, the true word. I love it. Okay, so I'm going to give you guys a strategy in three tactics or, you know, just some combination of it, Steve, that I want your feedback on it. Ready? So I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here. The first thing I wrote down, if I was an agent watching this and... And I truly believe in the value of homeownership, not just the fact that I'm a licensed real estate professional or I do mortgages or I'm part of the title and escrow and insurance industry, but like I, I know my own story and I know the story of so many of my clients. What I would challenge you on is I wrote down, start creating content, right? Video specifically called my first home. So think about this, Steve. What if, what if they actually took the time to slow down to document the journey of the next first time buyer that they work with, right? From tell me what sites you were on, what was the trigger, at what point did you say we could do it, but when did you start first saving, right? And we're interviewing, we're getting the backstory, right? And, and then why did anybody else in your home own a home? Are you the first person in your family to own a home? To get all of that story, right? And I don't care if it's just little sound bites, but then I wrote down, if you documented the client's journey from the decision, right? To get to start to save, to correct their credit, to do all the things they have to do from their online search to the, you know, figuring out mortgages, to finding an agent, you, to home shopping, to selecting, to offers, to close. That experience that they would document, 
could create so much viral content that they would be seen as not the realtor just trying to sell the house, but someone that is truly doing what so many of our friends are watching right now do. They're trying to help people, right? They see their job as that person that I am here to help you, whether buying or not, right? That's not the factor. Can I help you get your credit repaired? Can I help you make the, the right decision? Can I talk you out of a bad home and help you make the right decision, right? Maybe at a lower price. So I think that would be awesome. I would remind all of you. It's brilliant. One of the things I was most embarrassed about when I was an agent, because I helped a lot of people get into their first home. One of the things I was embarrassed, I might be in a supermarket and a, a couple would walk up to me and say, Steve, thank you very much. You know, we moved into our house five years ago. We now have two kids. If it wasn't for you, we would have been. And I couldn't even remember the person. Yeah. I couldn't remember their name. Here was this person I changed or helped them change their own lives. And here I am saying, oh my God, trying to remember which house it was in. That is a brilliant strategy in so many ways. The only thing is I get the, the buyer involved in that with you. Of course. No, no, no. I'm yeah, only thinking film, film the buyer. Only from the buyer's perspective. Show me what sites you were looking at. What criteria? What buttons did you hit? Right? Because you're, you're showing the next wave of buyers. This is how someone that did it, did it. And this is, this is someone that maybe... Again, I use the example of like, maybe it's, maybe it's the single young woman who's buying her first home, who's a second generation immigrant, who's coming into this country. Her parents never dreamed of owning a home and now she's in a position to do so. Like that kind of heartfelt truth about the American dream of home ownership would just be bananas. So that's my first part. But I want to remind you guys, YouTube is the second most searched site on the planet right now. YouTube. No one though is searching for like, find an agent. Instead, they're searching like, how do I buy my first house? How do I you know, do my credit repair? How much can I afford? What are the best features to own in a home? And, and what I would remind everybody is, this is just a little tactic, that if you're not going into Google AdWords and looking for what are the keyword searches that potential home buyers are looking for in your area and building content with that as the subject title, right? Building just micro pieces of content, just answering those questions. If you did that, my friends, you would kill it. So that's number one. And we gave you a super easy one. Number two, when you sell a home to someone who is 28, 32, etc., throw a rager for them at their house. You pay for everything, invite all of their friends because you're the bridge to all of their friends' dreams of home ownership. Like, you know, half their friends are going to be like, oh my God, if these two were able to buy a house, the rest of us got a shot, <laughs> right? I mean, that's what all my friends said when I bought my first house. Like, well, if this guy could do it, anybody can. And then the third one I would tell you is um, client testimonials on video at the end of the day, and then boosting that out. And a little, you know, like, if you don't know the questions to ask, Steve, I interviewed my dear friend, Ken Carey, who is the infomercial guru of all time. And it's on a Tom Ferry show. If you just Google it, you'll see. He says, these are the five questions you have to ask to basically get them to really express the benefit of the experience and get those testimonials and boost them like crazy. So those are my three, Steve. Any, any thoughts on those? Well, the only thing that, uh, first of all, they were all brilliant. I really, really like all of them. I'm going to share them with you know, the people I know in, in the industry. Uh, the only thing that I might change a little bit, but this is my age, you're going to call them a, a rage, and I guess for the young kids, that's the case. If you sell something to an older guy like me, call it a housewarming party. Exactly. Uh, just because they'll say, oh, rage. I don't want anybody raging in my house. Just <laughs> teasing me. I think they're brilliant ideas. Anything that we can do right now to promote 
the importance. Like we all know, being in the business, we know that look on a homeowner's face when they first get the keys at the table. We know that look. We know that look at the first night they spend in the house. We know that we have to now get that look, that feel, that heartfelt, I don't know what to call it, and we got to get that on film, and we got to get that out there. So, Steve, okay, now we're brainstorming here, and I hope people are getting the benefit of this. I would literally take, I would go back, listen to this, guys, I would go back to every person you sold a house to in 2018, all the way up to 2019. This is the time of year where we're putting out our proof of success, our map of all of our transactions, thanking the 37 people that allowed you to help them buy and sell real estate on a map, yada, yada. And I would literally do a montage, get this, Tristan, of photos of me. I just say, Steve, I'm gonna come by the house. I want you guys just standing in front of the home just for two seconds. I'm gonna hand you a key, take a photo. Hand you a key, take a photo. And I'm gonna get that to the 37 people I helped buy and sell real estate in 2018. And then that little montage of just key, key, smiling face, smiling face, key, key, smiling face. I would use that in ads all day long, right? A bunch of my creatives are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, just so you know, that, that would help you on the listing side anyway, because not only are you saying that you helped these 37 people, that means you, you sold 37 houses too. Exactly. So that's, what the list, that's what the seller wants to know. Are you selling houses? Yes. Right, that would be great for that also. And the old joke goes, if you only sold five houses last year, it's okay. Five is still better than zero. Just have the key be bigger. Have it be more spectacular and you'll win. All right. So Steve, every time I'm with you and, and every time we, we chat and when you share with our audience, you seem to squelch a lot of the fears that people have. And, and it's one thing to be motivated. That is not either one of our ambitions. We want, to be, um, we want everybody to be a more intelligent, more informed, fact-based real estate consultant. You shared this message with my elite clients. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, my friend, I've seen you speak a lot. It was the most passionate I've ever seen you. And it was also the most tactical. So I'm going to shut up and just let you go. But will you share with the audience that you're watching now, high level, what did you share with my group and drive those same points home? Okay, um, it's hard to do an hour presentation in a couple of minutes, but I'll do my, the best I possibly can. Um, really right now, ladies and gentlemen, we have to remove the fear. First, the fear from us, and I try to do that a little bit at the beginning of this, and then the fear, the psychological fear of the client, all right, whether it be a buyer or seller. And we have to realize that about 70% of our sellers become a buyer, all right, immediately. So both buyers and sellers, we have to do that. So let's take a look at it. Some people are worried about sales. Anyone who projects sales going forward are projecting the worst case scenario is that we're going to stay about where we are now. The best case scenario is that they, well, not the best case scenario, but the, the more projected case scenarios, we're going to be a little bit above where we were last year. Now, when I say a little bit above in the number of transactions, some people here might be saying, well, that doesn't sound good. Ladies and gentlemen, you have, you're on this right now. And if you're on the West Coast, you're a little bit early. You got up this morning and you went to work. Some of your competitors are still in bed. Because of the market the way it is, you have some of your competitors hiding under their beds right now. You have a tremendous opportunity while everyone else is wondering and looking up to see if the sky is falling to just go back to work and work hard. You'll get a larger percentage of the market share in your community this year than any year over the last 10 years because it's gotten harder to do our job. You have to explain more things. So all those guys that jumped in to try to make a couple of extra bucks or guy that jumped in hoping they were gonna get rich because the real estate industry is so fast, so quick, 
they're looking for the next quick way to make money, mm -hmm. right? So your market share will go up, beating your sales will skyrocket this year. Now let's take a look at prices. Everyone's concerned about price. Well, when are they going to settle in? What's going to happen? Ladies and gentlemen, at KCM, we do a tremendous amount of research on this. And what we found that all of the reliable sources that we have as far as projecting prices going forward, give you an example, Home Price Expectation Survey, uh, Ivy Zellman, CoreLogic, Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, NAW, the Mortgage Bank Association, the people who project prices all the time going forward, everyone is projecting that prices will increase this year, not decrease. So what okay, hold, hold, hold on, Steve. Hold on. So back up. Give us, give us the list one more time. Speaking a little bit slower because I want everybody to write this down and say, you know, I know you're concerned, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, about home valuations. But listen, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, all projected four and a half to five percent appreciation this year. So give us the list one more time so everybody can use it in their in their prezo. If you're using it with your clients, at the home price expectation survey, we explain pretty in depth. It's actually a conglomerate of uh, mortgage analysts, uh, not mortgage, uh, market analysts, economists, and uh, real estate experts. So that one you might want to share until you really get a deep understanding of it. KCM members on this call, you already have a deep understanding of it. So I'll give you the others. Ivy Zellman, you can go ahead and uh, Google. She's probably the best uh, analyst of the residential real estate market in the country. Uh, her reports cost a lot of money to get. She puts it to out a month. But she's projecting, again, in that price range. Um, the other, we have CoreLogic. CoreLogic, and they break it down by state. Of the 50 states in this country, do you know which states they picked out as going to depreciate this year of the 50? Guess how many of the 50 they predict they're going to appreciate? All 50, zero are going to depreciate. Zero. All right? So across the country, this is fine. Uh, the other places that I look to is the Mortgage Bankers Association, the National Association of Realtors, who has good information but is the least believed because it's you know connected to us, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. All of those organizations are projecting not only for this year but for the next two years that prices will continue to appreciate. Now, understand, they're not going to appreciate the same levels. So you're going to hear, and Tom just said it, Prices are dropping. Prices are not dropping. That would mean depreciation. The level of appreciation is decelerating. So are we going to go up 6, 8, 12%? No. We're going to go up at lower numbers, but they're still going to go up. A person buying a home today, a person moving up to a more expensive home today, is still going to ride appreciation over the next several years. And that's it. I'm, I'm sure to be past that. But this is what they're projecting over the next several years. And actually, after the first two years, that projection is, looks like it's going to start going back up again into the high threes instead of the low threes, which will be you know, in 2020. Now, part of the reason that's happening, just so that we, we, we get a feel, and here's the third piece. You know, people might ask you, well, Steve, I'm hearing you know, that the, you know, there might be a recession around the corner. There's a lot of headlines to that. And this is how I want you to approach that headline. I want you to agree with the people because that's probably going to happen. But I don't want you to use the word recession because recession, again, remember the psychology of this. Recession in people's minds, they remember back. They're going to remember and they're going to equate recession to housing crisis or highest housing crash. 
So I don't want you to use the word recession. I want you to use the term economic slowdown. Now, I'm not trying to get tricky with my words. The definition of a recession is two quarters in a row that GDP actually slows down. So the definition of recession is an economic slowdown. I want you to use the definition of the word. I'm not trying to get away from what's happening. The actual definition, because the word itself has a different connotation right now. And so now, well, well Steve, if there's a recession coming, what is it? Well, yes, I know prices dropped in the last recession. The reason I know that is prices dropping caused the last recession. But if we look at the four recessions prior to that, and I shared this information with the people at Elite, of, of the four, three of the four times, prices actually increased. And the other, the fourth time, they went down by less than 1%. So ladies and gentlemen, prices do not fall during recession, unless of course, like the last time, falling prices causes the recession. Yeah, that makes sense. But I don't want you to fear that, and I want you to have that information and be able to share that information. Because that, that term is gonna get really beaten up going forward into an election year. There's gonna be a lot of negative news on that. You have to understand exactly how to explain that. Yeah, Tom. Okay. Two, two thoughts. First, I'm telling everybody right now that they need to start writing and only reading their own headlines because the rest of it is a bunch of bullshit clickbait trying to get ad dollars in your attention. So the more sensationalized and the more spectacular and the more negative and the more the sky is falling, the better. So just stop being a drone and use your brain. That's my first point. Second point though, Steve, someone is going to say every time I share this information that you know, you share with me, every time I share it, someone says, but Tom, you know, all those people, they didn't predict the crash of 2007, 8, 9, 10. How could they possibly be smart enough to predict it this time? And you say, this is what I say to that. That's not true. All right. So let's make it nice and simple. They are right. The, and I don't want to beat any individual up, but the chief economist at NAR at the time, who is not Mr. Young, and R at the time went the other way. Yep. He thought he was going to somehow change the market and he got crazy saying, oh, don't worry about anything. Everything is fine. And everyone loves to get that information out there and say, well, listen, this is what they said the last time. Yeah, one person said it and there were a couple of people that said it. But what we do at KCM is we look to the people, guys like Bill McBride for Calculated Risk, who called it in 2004. Hey, listen, we're heading for a challenge. We look for people that really had their hands, you know, fingers to the pulse back in 2004. Hey, listen, we better be careful right now. What is Robert Schiller saying right now? And he goes back and forth. And he, he kind of plays the middle ground on that. But he doesn't see any recession coming, any price drop, dropping, uh, not recession, but price dropping coming. He doesn't see that. So the people who did call it, they're the first people we go to to say, all right, what do they think right now? And none of those people are calling for any sort of situation that occurred like that. So if I was an agent right now and I was dealing with buyers that were saying that, I would Google right now myself, who called the last major housing crisis in 2003, four or five, whatever it was, I would list out all those names. I'd get their quotes of what they said. Then I would go to their most current quotes today and put them side by side comparison and say, you know, Mr. Mr. there were seven people that, that called it. No one wanted to listen. There was five people that, that said everything is going to be totally fine. Let's take a look at what everybody's saying today, right? Little, little law I, I of contract. Great breakdown. The only thing that I want to warn people about, 
Remember what you just said, Tom, and I agree with you 100%. Negative headlines, you know, create clicks, create yeah. people coming. Yeah. So what you want to avoid is there were some people that called the crash in 2005 that yes. are calling a crash now. And they yeah. also called the crash last year and the year before that and the year before that and the year before yeah. that and the year before that and the year before that. Eventually, so eventually they'll be right. Eventually they'll yeah. be right. Exactly. So if you have someone just look into, well, what did they project last year? What did they project? Yes. What did they project five years ago? Because yeah. we, we got about somewhere in the vicinity, depending on the market, you're in 35 to 50% equity buildup over those five years. Yeah. So if five years ago they were calling for a crash, cross them off your list. They right. just call for a crash every year, try to get people crazed about it. Yes. All right, so Steve, I keep interrupting and, and throwing other thoughts at you. you. I think you kind of shared the first three. What's number four and five? All right, as a matter of fact, let me just check here real quick because I wrote them down to make sure I wouldn't forget about them. All right, another thing. Please, ladies and gentlemen, we need to listen inventory desperately right now. Yes. I know inventory is gaining, but we're still way behind. Do not let your sellers wait until this spring. I know it's only a couple of months away. Don't wait. Inventory is way down. Now, your sellers will argue, well, that's because you know, there's less buyers out here, so it's better if we wait until the spring. What any seller would want is they'd want the best ratio, the number of buyers to the thing that they're selling. That's called month's inventory. Mm -hmm. the so how many, what, how many buyers are out there compared to how many listings are out there? They want that number to be as low as possible because that's the best chance of getting the best price and removing some of the hassles less negotiation about the home inspection, less negotiation about, you know, setting the closing date when they have to move. And that's your job to remove those hassles. Now, ladies and gentlemen, right now, the month's supply of inventory, forget about there's more inventory coming to market, that's good news, but it's being bought up. So that's why some agents are having great first quarters. They're having a phenomenal start to the year because now finally they have inventory that they're selling, they can sell. So what I want you to do is I wanna make sure that you get more and more inventory to the market, it's gonna get gobbled up. And when the homeowner says, well, I'm gonna wait until the spring, right now the month supply, the ratio of buyers to sellers is at the same exact level as it was in the last spring buying market. So what's taking place? They have a- Hold on, hold on, hold on, Steve, hold on. Last spring was bananas with a capital bananas. B, and it was exactly. so good that most people had financially the best June and July of their entire career. So you're telling me that we're in the same exact amount of inventory as last spring coming in? We're, 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 we need to keep on having inventory. We're gonna need as much inventory as we We need more inventory than we had last spring. So tell your sellers, please, please, please don't wait. It's not gonna benefit them because there's more and more inventory coming to the market. They wanna catch that, that, that apex or that swing where, hey, you know what? I sold my house at the best possible time. And the best possible time right now, based on those numbers, is today, okay? So you have to get that, those houses on the market and you wanna make sure that they're, they're priced right. But the only thing you can't do right now, especially in the upper end, in the very lower end, you look at your month's supply of inventory. If you're down two, three months, then you can play a little bit with that number. But as you get up in the higher prices and whatever market you're in, there's more and more inventory at that higher level you can't price it hoping the market's gonna catch it. We're not in that market anymore. So you have to get it at the right price. And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, let's not get crazed about that. 
You know, Zillow, a week ago this past Friday, had this terrible negative headline like, oh, my God, uh, you know, the number, of the number of homes sold over list price is at an all-time low. low. Yeah. And the first article was only 19% of houses that sold in December sold more than list price. Ladies and gentlemen, if the negative news is that only one out of five buyers want to pay more for what we're selling than the person who's selling it wants to get, that's not bad news. All right? If that's what we're leaning on, that's it. even that had a negative spin to it. No. If we, imagine if you were selling cars and you went home to your spouse and said, you know what? The sticker price we have on it, we all, we're down to only five people want to pay above the sticker price that's on the car in the showroom. If somebody was complaining about it in the car industry, we'd be stopping them around or committing them someplace. This guy's crazy. Yes. That's what we're at right now. So please, the, the, probably the biggest news, I, 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 the biggest thing I have to tell you right now, you're smart enough. The people that are on here, you're smart enough to understand what you need to do. Tom's giving you some tips. I'm giving you some tips. The biggest tip is stop being afraid. Listen to Tom. Don't listen to the negative news. And just go out and work. Because the agents that are out working are making money right now. They're making the money that the agent hiding under the bed is not making. Bingo. They're doing the deals that they can't do anything with. I would even, I, first of all, Steve, this is exactly what I wanted people to hear. Thank you so much. Um, and I know you got one more point, but I got to just throw in for everybody watching. Uh, Tristan and I, standing right here, we shot a video uh, several weeks ago on three different pricing strategies. One of the mistakes that a lot of rookie agents, and I don't mean rookie as in new to the business, I mean rookie as in their skill set, are making okay. is the yeah. sellers... Yeah, yeah. Not saying new to the business, but the they're rookies in that they walk in to list the house because the person's motivated, and the seller has a better pricing presentation and commission <laughs> presentation than the agent. And what I was trying to do in this video, if you just Google or go to my YouTube channel, you'll see like we're no longer in that place where you can pad the price, right? Exactly. You know, like that. You started to say that that was actually by one of my clients, Shada Cummington, who's you know, I don't know, top 25 in the world as a single agent with, you know, $100 million in volume. And she said, Tom, I'm going on these $5 million, $2 million, $1 million listing appointments that everybody wants for the million dollar house, a million three, because they need that, they think they need that extra padding for negotiation. She's like, no, I need to be pinpoint accurate today with my pricing. And guess what? Because she's confident in saying it, she gets the listings. We now call them PTSIs. Everyone write that down. P-T-S-I's. Is this priced to sell immediately? Or is, it, or is it priced to sit? P-T-S-S. Bottom line is it's going to come down to your skills, my friend, your ability to build rapport. And you know what also, Steve, just really fast and then finish with the last point. Every one of you should download Chris Voss, V-O-S-S, Chris Voss's book, Never Split the Difference. I'm having him speak this year at the summit. Side note for everybody. Um, arguably one of the greatest FBI negotiators of all time, hostage, you know, hostage situation negotiator. Contrast that to overpriced crazy seller. <laughs> you with me? Like the overpriced crazy seller is probably not trying to kill someone if they don't get their price, right? But they're confused. They need help. And, and he, he helps all of us just be better at being calm, asking the right set of questions, meeting, meeting them where they're at, and then slowly getting to the price that's going to be fair and ultimately cause it to sell. So big shout out to Chris Voss and his book, Never Split the Difference. Steve, drive home the last one, number five. What's the fifth thing on your list? 
every agent has to understand, any mortgage person, anybody in the housing industry has to understand that the single most valuable commodity that you're selling is that family's trust in you. If you can't establish the trust in a changing market, in a market that's not changing, everybody can trust everybody. But when they start to get nervous, they're looking to people say, wait a second, I really need help here. My family needs to know exactly what's taking place. We can't make a mistake. So the trust that you can develop in that person is, or that family is really your most valuable commodity. So there's three things you have to do on that. You have to know what's happening in the market. You have to know why it's happening in the market. And most importantly, you need to know how to simply and effectively explain it to that family sitting in front of you. you that's the way you build trust. Mm-hmm. Seth Godin put it best. He said, people will not listen to you, but they always listen to themselves. So we can't sell them on now's the time to buy or now's the time to sell. We have to educate them. We have to explain to them what's taking place. Because if we could explain to them what we know, if we could teach them, educate them that, then we're not telling them this is the right time to sell. They're telling themselves that, and they'll listen to themselves. So it's crucially important right now to build that rapport, as you just mentioned, Tom, and to build that trust in them. Because now you can move forward, uh, or they could, as a family, move forward with you in that transaction. That's explaining it simply and effectively is not easy. And that's where the birth of KCM is. We do the research for you so we can teach you how to simply and effectively. Tom's giving at the beginning of this gave me a lot of credit for, you know, the agents going out and getting price breaks and doing deals. And believe me, I'm getting all those agents sending me emails. Some of them are sending me cards and chocolates. And that's cool. That's really, really, really cool that they're having so much success. But you know what is the number one thing I think I gave them? the confidence to go out and do it. The answer to a few questions that before that they were afraid to ask. I hope I answered those questions here too. That you, there's nothing to be afraid of in this market whatsoever at all, ladies and gentlemen. Just educate yourself to what's happening, why it's happening, and do it so well that you can explain it to the person sitting in front of you. Then you, with confidence, are sitting at every one of your appointments. Yeah. And then with confidence, you're sitting at the appointments. They see that. They trust you. They say, all right, I will take my family's future, future and put it in your hands. That's so crucial. And that's what they got at Elite, Tom. It wasn't the, 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 you know, from me. They, it wasn't you giving great coaching, and they, they already knew what they had to do. They just needed a little bit of confidence in asking some tough, answering some tough questions and go out there. Once they get out there, hey, now we're back, baby. Yeah. And remember, much of your competition is still sleeping. And some of it is still hiding. Yeah. Steve, this was super valuable. I know for the listeners, it goes without saying, if you're not a KCM member, you need to go to keepingcurrentmatters.com. You need to check that out. Uh, I would also tell you, as you were were talking about trust, I think about... you know, there's been so many wonderful books and I, and it, you know, I don't mean to always say, oh, here's another book, here's another book, but you know, I'm an educator. Like I want people to be informed, inspired and confident. There was a wonderful book I read back in the mid nineties called Soft Selling in a Hard World. Soft Selling in a Hard World. And the whole thing starts with your ability to build rapport, your ability to gain trust. And then I was thinking as you were saying that if they're the knowledge broker and they have the confidence, they will be the most interesting person at every cocktail party, soccer game, dance recital, but you can't just say, oh, the market's great and things are really good. 
In this book, they talk about the importance of knowing the statistics, knowing the data, having the case studies, and building that story. So when someone says, hey, you could literally grab your phone and go, well, look, you know, here's the home price index. Here's what it's saying. Here's the seven people that predicted the market was going to fall apart. Here's the one, you know, here's where they're at now. Like to be able to, to demonstrate your knowledge is what ultimately cements the confidence in them selecting you to represent them. So just take that to heart, my friends. Steve, closing thoughts? Uh, the only thing that I can say is, and you know, I've been in the real estate business for 35 years. I have a passion for it. Very obviously that comes across pretty easily. Ladies and gentlemen, the, what we do is not list and sell houses. What we do is change families' lives. What we do is build communities. What we do is help neighborhoods. And in the bigger picture, what we do is help build America. You know, because homeownership is a foundation of what America is all about. So please, ladies and gentlemen, right now, we need you not to be nervous, not to be afraid, not to slow up. What we need you to do is go full throttle now. The great agents in the business right now have to go full throttle, full throttle. They have to go at it. And ladies and gentlemen, the great news about our business is the more people you help, the more money you make. Don't worry about the money. Just worrying about helping as many families as you can. And that's the road to, to great wealth in our industry. 100%. All right, my friends. I hope you got some value. Well, I don't hope. I know you got some value out of this. My advice is take a couple of minutes before this ends and write down what are those key things? What are those actionable items? What is the strategy that you want to deliver to the marketplace? Are you going to try some of the video stuff? Are you going to race to KTM and you know digest some of this content and then start putting it out in your own voice to those targeted communities you want to work with, right? Be the most knowledgeable agent in your marketplace and you will be rewarded, I promise. So Steve, I love you, my friend, as always, you know, the Oracle. Thank you, thank you. I know you laugh about that every time. <laughs> but everyone that's- The truth of the matter is, Tom has helped me in my career much more than I've helped Tom in his career. Much, not, it's not even close. You're, listen, it's, that, that's called friendship, my friend. Mutual respect and friendship, all right. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I want to give you a little heads up on next week's show. I'm interviewing Jason Pantana, who leads our marketing image, and I asked him to share just his best hacks, his best tricks on how you can get a better result from Facebook advertising, driving your cost per lead down and your reach through the roof. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again, and talk to you soon.